part four of this series, Kingdom Culture. And if there was ever a time to talk about kingdom, it's now. And I really, this series, I don't even know if I'm preaching to you. I'm, I'm speaking to me. I'm like, there is something that has shifted on the inside of my heart. And I think it's been seven and a half years of building in a foundation as a church. And now in the moment of this, I, I recognize I was praying before the beginning of the year and my prayer is always, God, what is the theme for the year? Like, God, what are we focused on? I can't focus on everything, but if I could just have a point of focus. And I came across the passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. And for whatever reason, I've never read that passage. I mean, I've read it, but I didn't read it. How many know you can read the word and then the word reads you? It's like one of those moments where it just left off the page. And it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And I felt like the Lord said, if you'll teach my people how to receive my kingdom, they'll be unshakable as well. That in this society, look, bad things are going to happen. You know, we're, we're going to see political unrest. We're going to see racial tensions. We're going to see economic turmoil. We're going to have things. People have been furloughed. People have experienced sickness. Look, we all know someone who's gotten COVID. Many have even known people that have passed away and all of those things, man, they're, they're bad. They're hard. They're tough. And people say, well, why, why does it happen? Well, because we live in a fallen world. Bad things are just going to happen. My goal is not to keep bad things from happening. My goal is how do I weather that storm? How do I build a life that says, yes, something happened. I mean, I lost my dad. November. Unexpectedly. November 2nd. But you didn't see me stop pastoring this church. You didn't see me stop it. It's like, God, I, didn't, I don't understand it. I don't like it. Every week he'd sit right there. Just give me a kiss. Good job, son. Good job. Listen to a voicemail Steve sent me yesterday. Wishing us, you know, hey, I just want you to know I love you. Is it fair? It doesn't feel fair. Is it right? It doesn't feel right. But you know what? I'm not stopping. I'm not moving. I'm not getting derailed and angry and bitter. It's like, nah, God, okay. We move forward. And so that's the point of the unshakable spirit that comes within us when we are established in the kingdom of God. It's like, God, I will not be knocked off your path for my life. Last week, we talked about how to activate the power of God, that as Christians, we're connected to the source of power, but we don't always activate the power. And so we, we talked about two things that activate God's power in our life, and it's, it's surrender and obedience. Surrender and obedience. And those are words that are very difficult. You know, in America, we like our freedom. We like our independence. We don't want nobody to tell us anything. Come on, it's, it's so we, we, what we begin to do is we begin to live as compartmentalized Christians. And here's what I have found, even in my own life, it's like, God, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, but don't mess with that. Right? God, I'll give you Sunday attendance. God, I'll, I, I, I'll give you, you know, um, health. God, I believe I've got to work out and do those things, but God, don't mess with my money. Like, Pastor, you talk about forgiveness and healing, but that whole tithe thing, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do this. So, so we a la carte God. God, I'll take this and that. No, no, it's, it's all of God. And then we get frustrated because it's like, well, it doesn't work. Well, of course it doesn't work because you hadn't done what it takes to activate the power. If you want the power to flow, you've got to turn the power on. 
Well, how do you turn it on? I turn it on through obedience. I turn it on through surrender. And, and it's not just obeying what you understand and what you like. There's a lot of things that God tells me that I don't like. Serve those who don't like you. Love them. Be nice. Come on, somebody said something ugly to me. The last thing I want to say is God bless you. There's, there's a few other things that I might want to say. Someone's, how many got a hater on social media? I'm like, when in the world? Why, why are you jumping on my page and saying those things? And I just want to, I just want to give them a dose of Jim Kyle's, not God. Right? Your boss says some things, does some things. And so, so we, we, we say, okay, God, you can have that. But no, I'm going to respond this way. And so we just, we got to learn to activate. You missed it. Go back and watch it. Today, I wanted to just talk briefly about a man who learned how to obey and surrender. And his life is really an illustration and a pattern for us to follow if we want to see God fulfill his purpose in our life. Because that's the goal, right? The goal is I, I just can no longer sit by and say, I just want to make it. I just want to survive. I don't want to just survive. What a terrible way to live and exist on this earth. I want to go into heaven having heard him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have, you've done everything. You've been a part of everything. You fulfilled your purpose in life. And there's going to be a church that I get to pastor, that that's going to be the story of our life, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is so inside of us. It's so filling our lives that everywhere we go, it looks like heaven on earth. Everywhere we go, miracles, signs, wonders, everywhere we go, the peace of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the strength of God, that he says, you, well done, well done. Now, I don't want to be one of those people that it's false advertisement. Well, I thought you're a Christian. You're just as afraid as I am. I thought you were a Christian, but man, you respond just like I do. I thought you were, we wear the label of Christianity, but we don't have the power of Christ. I want to surrender, I want to obey, I want to activate. And today, the, one of my greatest heroes in the Bible, I've got three that I just love, David, uh, Joseph, um, and of course, Daniel. Those are the three. It's like, man, I always go back to life. Now, what I'm going to share with you today, I, I just felt like with a fresh revelation of kingdom, God has showed me some new layers in David's life that I really believe will help us. I believe it's going to help us live a life that's kingdom first, live the life where God is manifested here on earth and people see us and say, wow, that's what I need. I, I, I don't have that. My, my dad died and I went through depression and it was like I, I fell away and started turning to other things, drugs and alcohol. Your dad passed away and you leaned in. It's like you went further and faster and you began to share more hope and more love. There ought to be a difference in the responses. See, I think we repent enough to be forgiven, but do we surrender enough to be changed? Forgive me, God, but don't mess with that. Don't meddle over there. Don't, no, 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 I, I like my, well, David, David surrendered. David obeyed. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36. I'm going to read this. To set up the backdrop, if you're new to the faith, I want to introduce you to David, King David. He is one of the all-time favorites of my heroes in the Bible. And so I'm going to read just a little bit. I just got a couple of thoughts that I want to plant in your heart that would spur us forward. But David is a teenager, just a young boy. And he is found in his father's field watching his father's sheep. 
So he's being faithful with an assignment that God has given him. And there's a king over the Israelites and his name is Saul. And so the, the people of God said, we want a king just like the nations around us. Up until that time, there were judges. There was not a man that ruled God's people. God spoke through his judges and it was God ruling his people. They said, we want to be like everybody else. So the prophet Samuel Gives them the king. God says, give him Saul. Saul is head and shoulders above the rest. Looks like what a king should look like and stands out. And so the people are pleased. But the problem is you can look good on the outside but not be good on the inside. Like it's like the world looks good. That's the problem with religion. Do all the right things but God's like, man, what is up with your heart? Like the motives are wrong. Same thing with Saul. He didn't obey God. He did what he understood. And so God tells Samuel, look, I've rejected Saul, but there is a man that I have now called the king. And I want you to go to the house of Jesse and I want you to anoint him there. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house and they, Jesse, he says, give me all the sons. God's got a king here. So Jesse brings all of them in and Samuel's like, nope, nope, nope. And, and God deals with him because he's like, man, that looks like a king. He looks like a king. My God, look at them muscles. Man, is that the gun show? He better conceal them or he might get arrested. Like, my God. And then God checks Samuel says, look, I don't look at the things that man looks at. They look at the appearance. I look at the heart. Is there another? And so Samuel says, Jesse, these, 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 none of these are the king. And oh, I got a boy. And he's out in the field. Think about that. Your father didn't even have enough sense to pull you out because you were sure it was the others. I said, no, 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 no. He said, well, we won't sit down. And so David comes in from the field, and then Samuel says, well, this is him. So Samuel anoints him. And then from that moment on, he begins to go back. He goes back to the field, and then he's in the palace with Saul playing and, and worshiping and driving the evil spirit away. And here's what's amazing about David. If, if you hadn't read the story, the moment he was anointed, the anointing of God that was on Saul's life was removed and placed on David's. Like the moment. And so we see that Saul is messed with, there's an evil spirit. But here's what I find fascinating. You can have the anointing and not have the character. See, at that moment, I, I don't know about you, but I would be like, What's up? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I would never do it on the outside, right? I would be real chill about it. I'd be like, hmm, man, I'm a king. Like, I'm not a king's kid. I'm not like a blessed man. I am the man. And so you begin to start walking with a little bit of pep in your step. Come on, somebody. You're like, whoo. Come on, be real. You're like, man, oh, God, God. And then all of a sudden, your dad says, hey, I know you're a king, but I need you to go wash some sheep. How many be a little bit offended? Didn't you just hear the man of God? He said, I'm a king. Why don't you get a servant to go and do what you've been asking of me? I need to go to king school. Like, where's the college for kings? You know that path. Maybe I need to go get in the palace. Somebody get me that little, that little internship in the palace. I need to be right there with Saul because you know what will happen? If I'm with Saul, I can learn. And so we begin to manipulate. We begin to connive. We begin to move with our own, trying to make it happen. I want you to know there's never a path from the field to the palace. Not by man but that's not what David did what did David do David went back to the field 
And then when he was in the field, here's what happens. He's telling Saul as he's about to go out and fight Goliath because the Philistines were faced off with the Israelites and there was a giant, his name was Goliath. He was taunting the uh, Israelites saying, come on, send me a champion. And Saul was so afraid he wouldn't go out and fight the Philistine. And if you know anything about a king, the king should have been the first one to go out and to fight the giant for the nation. He had the anointing of God. He had the power of God. He had the strength of God. And yet he was sitting back as a coward. And you had to have a teenager. God, I love a radical teenager. Some young man or young woman that would step up and say, I ain't afraid of this giant. My God is greater than any giant. And that's what David did. He steps up. He said, listen, there ain't no way this giant can defy our living God. I'll stand up and fight. In other words, listen, I won't say it out loud, but if y'all scared... I'm not. And here's what he says. Look, David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. Now, have you ever seen a lion and a bear? Just saying, anybody, anybody been to the zoo? How many know a lion is scary from the glass? You ever seen a lion? You're like, no, 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 no. You, you get right next to it. Like, and everybody, I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good right here. Like, I just kind of watch it through the glass and a bear. You know, I, I hadn't been hunting until I've gotten later in life. And I've heard stories of bears. Bears are vicious. They're fast. They'll maul you. It's unexpected. They're strong. And so here he's talking about, look, when a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. Come on, this, this young boy in the middle of being responsible for just some sheep, how many would have said, Nah, no, thank you. Go. Oh, you might, you, don't lie. I'd probably be like, Dad, I don't know what happened to the last one. I thought there were 100 sheep. I don't know why there's only 99. I, come on, you know, you know, be like, no, 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 I'm good. Not David. David goes after it. He says, look, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. So he struck it. He didn't have a gun. Look, I, I, got, I got a rifle. I live in Texas. So when I say that, the church actually grows. In other places, it shrinks. But here, look, I got a rifle. I, I don't mind shooting from a safe distance. I don't mind a couple hundred yard shot. Come on, all my men, you know what I'm talking? Give me a 270, a 305 Creedmoor, you know, some just from a safe. No, no, he didn't get a rifle to shoot it. It says he got close and he struck it. And think about this. He knocked the lion down and that lion turned on him. So he thought, man, it's, it's good. And, and here's, he went Jackie Chan on this thing. Look, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. And then now here's the boldness of the declaration of past victory. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And this is what we know. David didn't fight Goliath to get a reward. David fought Goliath because he was a champion for his God. The motive was right. It wasn't like go, hey, let me, how many have ever seen somebody? It's like, oh, I'll go do it. It's like, oh yeah, but everybody can see that. Can you go do something that's not in the public? See, we fight giants in public. So I got courage, but it's not real courage. A lot of times it's pride, right? It's like, I, I'll go whip it. I'll go get it. No, no, real courage is courage in the field and courage in the valley. And this is what we know about David. David was attacked in the place of his promise. 
Every one of you will be attacked by the enemy in the place of your promise. David was anointed king. Think of this. And instead of going straight to the palace, because I don't know if you know this, but it's actually took him 15 years from the time he was anointed until he became king. So here he is, now as a boy, has been anointed, and the place of his promise was a place that most people would never want to go to, but that's the place where God said, look, you think you're watching your father's sheep, and you are, but the reason is when you get in the palace, you're going to be watching my sheep my people. So if you'll build the character in the field, then you'll have the character in the palace. Your promise is your place that's an assignment. It feels a little insignificant. How many got a place right now in life? You're like, Nobody sees. It's a little insignificant. Doesn't seem like it's making a difference. I mean, can you imagine all of David's brothers are off to war and he's back watching sheep? Doesn't feel significant. I thought I was a king. If I was a king, I ought to be over on the battlefield. I ought to be where the, the kings are at. And so here we have him doing something that has little to no significance. And yet it's here where it's no big deal that it is a big deal. It's here where nobody's watching that God is watching. It's just like the job that you might have that seems like it's no big deal. It's just a transition job. See, God put a business in my heart, and I've been saving money. So, look, this thing that I'm doing here Monday through Friday, it's simply a job. It's just something I'm doing. It's no big deal if I'm late. It's no big deal if I cut a few corners. If I give a half effort, it's no big deal, right? Because it's not my, it's not my company. Now, when I get my company, I'll do it a little bit differently. Single people, here, here it is. Hey, listen, she's just a friend with benefits. Like, she's not my wife. Like, we're good. And we've already talked about it. Like, we, we talked, and she's good, and I'm good. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm waiting for God. Well, while you're waiting for God, what are you doing in the in-between time? You got a friend with benefits, and then you think when you get a wife, it's going to be different. No, what you're building now is based on the character you're establishing for the future. Faithful, faithful. Doing what it takes to say, okay, God, build the character See, characters built in the little decisions we make in private. If you want to have victory in the valley, you've got to get victory in the field. Victory in the field. Victory in the field. David killed the lion. He killed the bear. So then he had courage to fight Goliath and not only fight him, but to defeat him. Lions and bears... You don't even have to fight. You, you just let it go up, but you got to be intentional. That means I run to the battle, not away from the battle. I run forward in courage, not back up in fear. So I fight the little fights that most people think are insignificant. What happened to me on a Tuesday night, I was in Alabama. I was staying at the Marriott Hotel, spending a couple of days with my pastor, Chris Hodges, and we were doing a round table just like we do often, do it a couple of times a year. Went back and spending some alone time. And I thought, hey, listen, you know, I'm working out in the room. I'm like, I'm going to go work out. So in the room, I grab uh, the pre-workout pills that I have. How I many you know you already get? It's like, man, that pill is pretty, pretty important to me. Give me some energy. Give me some strength. So I go put it in my mouth, get some water, swallow it. And all of a sudden, a pill is lodged in my throat. And I'm like, 
<laughs> Can't breathe. Panic begins to set in. I'm like, what am I going to do? For the moment, my life flashed before my eyes. I thought, is anybody around? Nobody's here to help me. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know how I did it. But without breathing, I go out and look out the door in the hallway just trying to get help. Nobody was there. Thank God he gave me the sense enough of, I know I'm just a few seconds from passing out. I go into the bathroom and literally throw my body on the, the ledge of the bathtub and give him the highlight, and it comes out. Freaked out. I'm like, trauma. My God, what should, I literally almost died. I'm, and, then, and then I was a little embarrassed. I thought, there lies Pastor Jim who has died from a workout, pre-workout pill. It wasn't the devil. He's like, what? I'm like, no, please, God. That's what I was just thinking. I'm like, God, not this way. Right, God, don't take me out this way, please. Then I got mad. I'm like, that stinking devil. See, he knows what I'm doing at the church. He's trying to he tried to kill me with a pre-workout pill, and I'm mad. And I'm like, devil, you ain't going to win. Devil, you're defeated. I'm praying. You know, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. It shook me up so much I didn't tell Phyllis until I got back a couple of days later. But I scheduled an appointment with the doctor, the NT doctor, and he was so gracious and kind, and he said, well, Mr. Kyles, tell, tell me what's the problem. Well, I told him what happened, and he's a believer. I'm a pastor. So I said, the stinking devil's trying to kill me. That's what's happening. He kind of chuckled just like you did. <laughs> Mr. Kyle, oh, calm down. I'm, I'm mad, fired up at the devil. The devil's a liar. I'm going to get him. Just, just calm down, Mr. Kyles. We're going we're gonna to get Let's run a few tests. So we run some tests. We come back for the follow-up consultation and I'm like, well, how, how is it? How bad is it? Come on, tell me. Because I'm like, this devil, I'm thinking stinking devil. We're going to fight. And he said, well, and his face. Have you ever looked at a doctor and you could tell the face? It's like, something ain't right. This, is, this ain't going to be a good report. So I'm bracing myself. He said, well, Mr. Kyle's looking me straight in the eyes. It's not the devil. It's your diet. <laughs> See, I, I want victory in my health. But I won't give victory in what I eat. See, my esophagus had swollen up because I had too many brownies and chocolate chip muffins and some fajitas, you know, and all the carbs. And so when I laid down, that acid reflux is chronic, which I didn't even know I had. It's swollen my esophagus so much that I literally almost died in that hotel room. And I realized at that moment, listen, I'm asking for victory and health in my body, but I don't have victory in the daily discipline of eating right and living right. I think the devil gets too much credit. All the devil's whooping up on me. He didn't have to do nothing to you. He just sit on back. You're going to destroy your own life. Why? Because you didn't get victory in the field. See, what we want is victory in our marriage, but you ain't got victory over your mouth. No, no, no. You, 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 you want victory over debt, but you don't have victory over your spending. Like you can't spend more than comes in. We want victory over fear, but we don't have victory over our thoughts. See, we want victory over our health, but you, again, you got to, when, when do we say, listen, God, give me the victory in this little area? Because look, ain't nobody, you ain't in my house watching me eat chocolate chip muffins. 
I'm working out. I'm looking okay. I'm like, man, okay, ain't nobody knows. I'm going to keep eating. Yet the whole time, because of a lack of discipline, I almost lost my life. And I know this, that I refuse to allow one little fox to spoil it all. And we see it all throughout the gospel. But let me show you, even Jesus, he understood the, the, the power of a victory in private and in public. Before Jesus could experience victory on a cross, he had to get victory in the desert, a private place. He had to be there all by himself and the devil would pop up and he would say, it is written. He had to get that victory in the desert before he could be hanging on a cross and tell the devil, not it is written, but it is finished. And the power of that is this, Jesus knew the word and that's how he fought the devil. Sometimes we don't know the word, right? It's like, God, I want you to heal this. When's the last time I did a concordance on marriage? When's the last time I did a search on finances? When's the last time I did a search on health? Oh, he don't say nothing about it. Listen, the Bible is your instruction manual for life. And we're running our lives without having read the instruction manual. How do we choose to live? Here's what David knew. You don't get any credit in the field. There just has to be a surrender and an obedience. Like nobody looks and says, which I'm probably going to talk a little bit about tonight, which is amazing to me, is that how David never went out there trying to get promoted. You know, again, if it's me, I'm like, hey, anybody know those holy hinters? Like you're praying for debt freedom, so you tell everybody, oh, I'm praying. And you go to that rich person, you know, man, I'm just praying and fasting that God would pay this credit card bill of $499.35 off. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. Right? It's like, man, God, you, hey, God, this is what I, and, and so he didn't go around doing all of that. He went out there trying to wholly hit his way to a place. What he did was he fully surrendered and committed to this. Look, whatever, whenever, however. And that's what we got to do. It's God, I fully commit to the whatever. God, what you want me to do? I'll be a shepherd. Think about David's life. He was a shepherd. He was a servant. He was a courier, he was a warrior, he was a king, he was whatever, whenever, however. He was never too good for the place that God had him. And I wonder if sometimes it's like, I'm too good to do that job. I'm too good to go out. No, 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 man, you don't know my anointing. No, but I know you're God. And if you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to be the greatest, you got to be a servant. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever. Ah, oh, but pastor, you don't know. You don't know where I'm at. Doesn't matter where you're at. I know this. That's your place of promise. That where you're at, whatever job, whatever place, whatever, whatever it is, that's your place of the character that God's trying to establish. And instead of trying to shortchange it, listen, when you bypass the process, you lose the promise. Say, no, 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 God. David didn't go out there trying to get all these promotions. What he did was this. This is what I'm going to probably talk about tonight. 
is that every opportunity David had, they came looking for him in the field, anointing a king. He didn't have to go in before his brothers, try to look better and push position himself. Now, Samuel said, hey, do you got another? He's in the field. Saul is tormented by an evil spirit. And there's a servant. He says, listen, I know a boy, actually a man, and he's from the town of Bethlehem. He's a skilled warrior and he's skillful playing the harp. Where did he learn those skills? In the field. Where did he learn those skills? From beating the lion and the bear. And so here he has a servant, a nobody, tell the king about David. And he says, send for him. And guess where David was? He was in the field. Jesse says, hey, I got an errand. I need someone to run an errand to go take some food to, you, to, to your brothers. And so he goes and finds David in the field. So David is nothing more than an errand boy. He's on an errand for his dad, but God's got him on a mission. Say, Dad, you got servants. Why don't you just run them servants out there and you just go ahead and let them take the food? I'm better than that. I don't I ain't no errand boy. I'm not a courier. No, no, he just said, okay, God, whatever, whenever, however. I'm just surrendered. And God always has a way of finding you when you're surrendered. And there's no path. It won't make sense. They'll look at your life just like my life. Let me tell you, you know, this church, I learned the power of a surrendered life. I learned the power of just saying I'm all in. When I was uh, pastoring a church, I was the executive pastor in 2008 all the way to 2012 and came down to help a pastor in Stafford, a pastor I'd grown up with. And I'm like, I'll come and help you. I'm like, I'll do whatever, whenever, what you want me to do. I was the youth pastor. I was the facilities director. I would preach occasionally. I do admin, I led small groups, whatever, whenever. People say, oh, you ought to start your own church. No, 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 hold up. Wait, 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 wait. You ain't God. No, 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 I'm just, I'm staying right here. And then I'll never forget, I went to South Africa on a mission trip. 2012, December uh, of 2011, January of 2012. And the Lord spoke to me more clear than I've heard many things. Just one of those moments. He said, this is a year of transition. So what I did, I came back. I didn't tell nobody. I didn't say, well, transition. Right? No. No, just, I told Phyllis. I said, but hey, baby, this is, I think this is a for real, like this is a big one. I said, we may even, you just got to be right. We may even move to South Africa. And Phyllis said, oh, no, we ain't. Jesus, if you love your daughter, if you love all things that are, so she was praying, battling to, you know, God, and he heard him. I didn't say anything to anybody. Got brought into a meeting in March of 2012, sitting there. My pastor says, hey, Jim, I feel like there's transition. And I said, man, you know, it's interesting, pastor. I felt the Lord speak transition in my life. And here's what you can't do. When God speaks to you, don't try to figure it out. Because if you try to figure it out, I can almost guarantee 100% that's not the right way. I just learned. What does it mean? I got no idea. I just write it down, pray about it, tell her. I've made more mistakes getting outside of God's will, trying to go the path. So I'm in this meeting. I see, he said, well, you know, it's a field transition. I said, well, the Lord spoke it to me. He said this, what do you think it is? I see, here's the reality. This is what I learned at a young age. I will never put myself above my authority. So I just flipped it. It was a holy, I wish I could, I'm not that good. I wish I'd say, 
I planned it. I'm just that good. The Holy Spirit prompted me. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Don't pull a Joseph where you tell everybody what you got in. You just shut your mouth and let me do the work. And so I just said, Pastor, what do you think it is? Surrendering it back to the authority that God had in my life. And I'm thinking something like youth can lead. We've done these youth can leads. There's lots of people. We last one had almost a thousand students there. We have opportunity to travel the nation. And what I realized in that powerful moment that I've talked to the fellowship, those that I mentor and our staff, is that had I opened my mouth, I'd be going down the wrong path. And God say, okay, boy, come on, take another lap. Go around the desert one more time. Half the time, the laps you take are because the words you speak. And he said, just kept my mouth. So he said, uh, well, I feel like there's a great church in Rosenberg. I thought, okay, okay. You know, I just told Phyllis, I said, if we ever launch, okay, all right. I prayed about it, came home, told Phyllis. And guess what? God has done a miracle from day one of being in this city, not only reaching our community, but the world. And it was all because of a yes that wasn't trying to jockey for it. It's like, God, find me in the field. Lord, I just want to be in the field. Whatever, whenever, however. And look at what David, I want to close in this passage. My last, I'm, I'm done. Acts 13.22. And this goes back to the kingdom that we've been talking about. Back to what we said last Weak, the obedience and the surrender. Look at what happens, Acts 13, 22. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David. God removed him. My heart is, God, I don't want to be a Saul. Look good to everybody else, but not, not to God. I don't want my sons and my daughters fighting battles I should have won. Yeah, I know. There might have been sexual abuse in your past, but it can stop with you. Might have been verbal abuse in your past, but it can stop with you. You can defeat that giant, but you can't do it just going straight for the giant. You got to go to the disciplines. What's in the field? And some of you, and I feel this prophetically, you've been mad at God, I thought I could beat the giants. That's always God's will. But you never fought the lions and the bears. So this is what we do, you know, and, and I feel that really strongly. Listen, you just, okay, what's, God, where's the small victories? And then get victory there. And then what will happen is you're not even looking for it, but God will put you in the position when you've got the character and the courage and the power. And then you're going to say, that giant ain't nothing. And you're not trying to beat it out of pain. You're beaten out of process or promise. See, your motive's wrong. Just like David, he didn't try to beat Goliath so he could get a wife and treasure and fame. No, no. He fought Goliath because Goliath defied his God. You don't beat giants from your past out of pain. You beat it out of promise. God's the promise. Lord. So look at what happens. This man said about David. God found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He'll do anything I ask him to do. Anything, anything 
everything, doesn't matter, title, position, finances, reward, doesn't matter. And the thing that I love, and this is what you have to know out of Christianity, and the one thing that if you ever get anything from me, it's not your theology puts you in position. It's not your under, you know, your knowledge and your, your, your background. You know what it is? It's simply obedience. And some of you do not feel worthy enough. And here's what I would challenge you with. I didn't say David was a theologian. That's why I promoted him. David was the best worshiper. No, no. All those are an overflow Yes, David knew the word. David worshiped. David, but do you know David made some of the biggest mistakes as well? And I think we get in life and it's like my mistake has disqualified me. I had this and that. And if you only knew, listen, everybody's got sin. Everybody makes mistakes. The question is not if you sin. The question is, are you in a small group with people where you could take off the mask and say, hey, listen, I yelled at my kids. I, I looked at this. I did that. And man, I, I don't know if I can forgive myself, but I just got to tell somebody. You tell them. And you know what they say? I struggle with the same thing. I had that same thing happen. And, and the moment you're vulnerable, the moment you build a relationship, it's like, my God, well, can we do this? Can we fight this giant together? Can we link arms? Can we just be real? Can we just say we're pursuing God? That's the power of it. And then we've got to be biblically literate, right? We've got to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be literate in the Bible. I'm going I'm to study it. Go get your one-year Bible. Read it, study it, and just see what God would do in your life. It's kingdom first life. That's kingdom culture. And my prayer is that every one of you would walk it out. Yeah.